0: Here's the catch is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts. And because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last minute deals with prices up to 60% off. The 49ers host the Falcons next week at Levi's Stadium. So make sure to head on to game Time to get your tickets for the 49ers And the Falcons. Also, you don't have to limit it to just sports on game time. There's also music and theater tickets on there. So check out your favorite artist. Maybe somebody coming through the Chase Center at some time soon. There's an easy two-step checkout process on game time. What they call it is two-tap checkout. So once you find your tickets, you only have to tap twice. And you'll have them on your phone. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or Apple Store, and score last-minute deals on tickets up to sixty percent off. Let's go, man! Here it all, dude. You're listening to "Here's the Catch" with David Lombardi and Matt Barrows on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, this is one of those where you don't even know where to start. And you have to start, I guess, in one spot, but then you feel that you're not giving other spots justice. It was an epic, another one of those prize fights. I know the 49ers have been involved in a lot of these, but this one, I think, topped them all. 48-46, to 46, they win over the New Orleans Saints in a game that I feel was a hybrid of a lot of 49ers Saints games uh, of the past. You had the 2012, January 2012, 49ers Saints game at Candlestick Park that uh, Matt, you know so majestically wrote about in his oral history earlier this year I thought you had a lot of that in this one with the the lead changes and the seesaw battle and the emotional roller coaster toward the end but then you also had ghosts of a 49ers failure a little bit after that in in 2013 at the Superdome where Ahmad Brooks uh, you know was was flagged for a personal foul and it cost the 49ers home field advantage you had elements of that game here except that it went the 49ers way this time because they were able to conquer those old demons. I thought that in a lot of ways, it combines so many legendary moments, ups and downs in this franchise history. And it all sealed into a 48-46 win. Robbie Gold kicked through the field goal at the buzzer for the 49ers to win this one. And it came after George Kittle rumbled 39 yards down the sideline. And a play that Matt, I think that play is going to go down in franchise lore if the 49ers are able to finish this run with a Super Bowl, either way, it's going to be a franchise highlight. But it, it say the 49ers finish this deal. If they, if they go all the way and win in Miami in February, you're going to look at that George Kittle play that we saw today, and it's going to be up there, top five, top ten regular season plays in franchise history.
1: It was a fantastic play. I mean, and it was such a sharp contrast uh, from last week when they're in, they're in uh, Baltimore. It's rainy outdoors. They need a you know a, a fourth and one conversion. And Garoppolo goes to George Kittle, and the ball gets batted down. And, you know, whether the completion would have been made or not, who knows. But uh, the offense came away from that game feeling as if they had let down the defense. Defense played a pretty good game, not a great game, but a fairly low-scoring game in Baltimore. (laughs) This was the absolute polar opposite. The defense was atrocious. The offense was fantastic. All sorts of uh, just phenomenal, brilliant, beautiful plays and play calls but you're right at the end it's this really gritty resilient George Kittle tank-like run that he makes at the end and uh you were saying this before we got on the air it was like a, a, a WWE type of play to me it was like something out of like the African savannah where all the lions are trying to take down the the buffalo or the elephant and the, and the bigger animal just keeps moving down the field and that's what kittle did just kind of throwing these guys off left and right just a uh, a prototypical george kittle play it was a gotta have it play they got it and uh, that's the that's the difference in this uh in this 48 to 46 win
0: i think it's fair to say the play is iconic already so we were both lucky enough Matt, to to have been in a unique, awesome spots to watch this play. You're at the Superdome itself in New Orleans. You're at the very top. And uh, for those who don't know, most of the NFL has enclosed press boxes where you can't hear what's going on. So it actually feels like a library. It's really frustrating to watch games. And the Superdome is old school. It is not one of those stadiums. So you were in the open air. I, meanwhile, was working on another story. I'm actually in, in, in L.A. So I was watching at the San Francisco Saloon, which is... A 49ers bar So we both had I think You know kind of great vantage points To to absorb the excitement You in person obviously you had the better look there I had it through the TV But god I mean this place just just erupted it's really hard to explain it it felt like a a rewind to the Harbaugh era it felt like a rewind to the the era where the 49ers were a championship contender and I felt that that play really solidified their status as a championship contender but I'm wondering for you you know I felt that crescendo of noise and fans uh you know hugging each other and and ripping tables down and everything I'm wondering what it was like watching that from the open air Superdome press box
1: well first of all there were a lot of 49ers bars in New Orleans this weekend (laughs) yeah Uh, the uh, red and gold showed up in force, and so Bourbon Street was just uh, lousy with 49ers fans. Uh, They were everywhere. And I would estimate it was maybe 18%, 20% 49ers fans today, but it was still just incredibly loud, insanely loud inside the Superdome when the 49ers had the ball, especially on that final drive. They take over with 53 seconds left. Garoppolo hits Kittle for an eight-yard gain, but then there are two... In completion. So all of a sudden, it's fourth and two, and the Saints fans just kind of smelled blood at that point. And there's a decibel meter inside the Superdome, and uh, I don't know how accurate it is, but I was watching it because I could, I could feel, I could sense uh, that it was uh, as loud as it had been all game. And I was watching it, and that little meter flickered up to 127 decibels at one time. And then the 49ers called timeout. And, and it, I, I feel like it, it turned out to be a very, very critical timeout, not just for the play that they called, uh, which is the one we just described, but it, it also took a good 10 decibels out of the crowd, and it wasn't quite as loud. It was still mind-shatteringly loud and a monstrous din in there, but it wasn't quite as loud. And Kyle Shanahan noted that after the game, that it was just a little bit more manageable. And, um, you know, the it, it turned out to be uh, perfect timing. This was a Kyle Shanahan masterpiece in a lot of ways. Got a lot of criticism last week for, you know, what happened at the end of the half, what happened on that fourth down play. But, uh, boy, uh, this was an a A++ plus performance from him uh, in a lot of different regards.
0: Yeah, and it, he actually was able to bounce back from – a situation that was less than ideal in the drive before, right? The 49ers actually had a two possession lead in the fourth quarter. They weren't able to punch it in for a touchdown that probably would have sealed the game on their penultimate drive. When they faced a second and five, it looked like they were, you know, they were lined up under center this time. They weren't in the shotgun and he ran what he thought I guess would be a really deceptive play fake, but they didn't give Raheem Mostert the ball. And the saints were either lucky or they sniffed it out and they sacked Jimmy Garoppolo That killed the drive. The 49ers still kicked the field goal, but that set the Saints up to take the lead. So that drive blew up, but then Shanahan came back and hit the exact right buttons on that final drive. But it did come down to fourth and two, right? And and let's talk a little bit about the play. The the route was an option route to George Kittle. So the reason I think that's significant is because it just showed how, you know, Everybody was on the same page. Season, game on the line. I say season on the line because, you know, not literally, right? The 49ers are, would still make the playoffs. They'd still fight for things. But if you want to win the Super Bowl, and I think this team has has proven talented enough, you wrote it this week, Matt. I wrote it this week, Matt. You got to get that first round by. And and best, you need to get that number one seed. You, you know, you've started the season off so well. So those goals were were there for for either losing or taking for the 49ers today. So on that fourth down, they needed to, to seize that opportunity, as Justin Smith would say, uh, as you wrote on Saturday. And th- they did through that option route that really showed – uh, how cohesive this offense was today. I mean, Garoppolo threw for 349, four touchdowns, 10 yards an attempt. He beat the Saints through quick slants. He beat them on the deep ball. He beat them on play action. And then finally, it was you know so fitting that it culminated with this option route where even in all that, all that noise, the 49ers were able to get on the same page and get it done.
1: Yeah, and it was seamless. And that's a four down series right there. And on three of the four plays, Garoppolo goes to Kittle. So... We, we know who he likes to go to. He's going to Kittle at the end of the, the Ravens game as well. And the Saints do too, and, and they still were able to convert it. It, it was a, a, a nicely drawn-up play. It, it had both of the wideouts, uh, and I believe they were Emmanuel Sanders and, and Debo Samuel, uh, out, out wide going on go routes. So they cleared out the cornerbacks in the safety because they're streaking down the field, and that left Kittle one-on-one with his defenders in, in sort of the underneath area era, area and um it was a perfectly placed ball um kittle could go either inside or outside tight end and, and quarterback were on the same page and uh, we all saw what what kittle did after the play and that's what uh that's what he's excellent at he was not going down he was just just furious i mean that's the adjective that i i think uh, encapsulates it the most he was just like a madman going down the field, and it took ultimately it took three Saints to get him down, plus a face mask, so uh, they had to use every means at their disposal to, to bring him to the ground. It was just a, a spectacular play, and you're right. It's going, going to be... Uh, if if things go right for this team, really an iconic play about how this season has gone for the 49ers. And,
0: and you know, the reason why it's such a big deal is once you hit December, things just start mattering more. We've seen this throughout 49ers history, but, you know, it, it just lined up this season the same way. You're in the final quarter of the season. What happened last week was that the 49ers lost to the Ravens in a game that they fought hard in, but at the same time, the Seattle Seahawks and the Saints both won so it set up this, you know, 10-2 and two quagmire between between three teams in the NFC, and and it made this, you know, a game where the 49ers, if they wanted to maintain the positioning that they had fought so hard to establish early in the season, they needed to win. And, you know, for symbolic reasons, I think they needed to win, too. The one knock on this 49ers team was that the two best opponents, supposedly, that they had played so far in the Seattle Seahawks and the Baltimore Ravens, they both, they both lost narrowly, too. So to finish a game in the Superdome on the road, I think was huge. And then, you know, extending that to finish a game in which the defense faltered was also really important, right? Because this 49ers defense did not show up today by any stretch of the imagination. I said Garoppolo threw for 349 yards. Well, so did Drew Brees. The the stat lines were very similar. 349 for him as well. And uh, it was scorched earth there in the first half. Jared Cook, two touchdowns early. 49ers fall behind two possessions. Cook gets hurt. He leaves with a concussion. Uh, But the Saints keep on roasting the 49ers with a combination of Alvin Kamara, who didn't do as much today. But uh, Latavius Murray was great for for the Saints. Uh, You had... Uh, Michael Thomas obviously 11 catches 134 yards I mean Drew Brees was able to, to to work the 49ers defensively there and the 49ers pass rush was not getting home the way that we expected it to against a drop back quarterback probably in in large part because they're a little thin at the edge rushing positions now especially after D Ford went down again so the defense was battered they were bruised they gave up the go-ahead touchdown with less than a minute left it was really a game where the offense was going to have to step up and and bail them out and we'd been waiting all season for the defense to really falter truly for a full 60 minutes and and it finally happened but Jimmy Garoppolo was there to save the day with George Kittle
1: yeah and you're right I think it's a very important game for Garoppolo I mean he's never played never started a game in, in an environment like this And, you know, the the knock on him, and uh, I'm not sure exactly where it's coming from because he's had a very solid season to this point, but the knock was that. You know, he's just uh, been managing these games. It's a strong running game. It's a very strong defense. Jimmy Garoppolo just kind of has to show up in the 49ers' win. Well, that didn't happen today. The, the defense just didn't have it, and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo did. He lifted this team up and uh, and won the game. And it, it's, uh, it's interesting because the, the storyline going into the game was that well, finally, the 49ers get to play a, a traditional drop-back quarterback, which is what their defense is designed to do. So they were, they were almost uh, thankful that they got to play Drew Brees, and, and Drew Brees looked like Drew Brees from 2011. He was hitting everything, and, and you've written on this uh, earlier this season – uh, certainly after the first Cardinals game, is that uh, offenses, opposing offenses have figured out that you just screen the 49ers to death. And for large stretches of this game, that's where Drew Brees was, was finding a lot of pay dirt to the running backs, to the wide receivers, to whomever. Uh, they were getting a lot of yards on those screens, and then he was also just hitting uh, open receivers as well. Uh, I thought Nick Bosa had a good game. I thought DeForest Buckner had a good game. <laughs> and, that's, and that's it from the defensive side. There were a lot of stinkers out there. Fred Warner has been phenomenal over the last month and was rewarded by getting the NFC Defensive Player of the Month. But he was one of the guys who uh, just did not have it in this game, had a lot of missed tackles and uh, a lot of stuff happening in the sort of early shallow half of the field, and that's where the, uh, the linebackers roam. So... Uh, I don't know what your thoughts were on on uh, on the defense and which guys didn't uh, didn't seem to perform, but Warner, I think, was was up there on the uh, the knots list today.
0: Well, I, I saw the defensive problems today as a snowball issue, and I, and I'll explain. I, I think that the problems started with Jakowski Tart missing the game, so Marcel yeah. Harris started at safety, and I thought that Robert Sala made a mistake on the first third and long of the game. Marcel Harris is technically a strong safety. Now, we've both written about this in the offseason. The 49ers have been much more interchangeable with the two safety spots this year, right? It used to be single high would be the free safety was technically Jimmy Ward. And then the strong safety would be closer down to the box. But, but they've been much more liberal with flopping those guys back and forth. And on that first long third down, they threw Marcel Harris right into the single high fire which I thought was, you know, a little brazen. So, you know, he's this relatively untested guy. He's single high safety, and Drew Brees targeted him right away. Jared Cook uh, scores the touchdown, right? Marcel Harris misses the coverage, misses the tackle. Boom, the game gets going. Then I think it was Akello Witherspoon uh, uh, on the second coverage uh, when they got Jared Cook for the 14 for the 14th point for the saints. So it was two quick scores and two possessions for the saints before the 49ers secondary had a chance to get settled at all. And then what I thought was a huge issue in the first half is that the 49ers would turn around and yes, the offense did the job, but they scored in like one play. They ran like 15 plays in the whole first half. They were, av- they are averaging f- uh, 14.5 yards per play in the first half. Jimmy Garoppolo was averaging 16 yards in attempt in the first half. They were scoring so quickly that the defense never got a chance to make schematic adjustments. And if you talk to Robert Sala, you talk to defenders, they say they need at least five minutes in between possessions to sit down, get printouts of what the hell's happening, get all the pictures, see what's going wrong, and then communicate the adjustments. And I'm almost certain the 49ers didn't have enough time at all in the first half to, to get any adjustments in because they were just scoring so quickly the other way offensively. So obviously, that's what they want. They want to score, but it created this backlash, the unintended backlash for the defense to where they didn't have a chance to get a breather until halftime. And that's why they played a lot better in the third quarter. And I think that's why ultimately they they lost everything in the fourth quarter because they just hit that exhaustion point. So uh, it was just a wild game. It was 28 to 27 and a half because both of these teams were scoring as if defense didn't exist.
1: So you saying we should fire Shanahan for for scoring too quickly? Yeah, he didn't? scored too quickly. <laughs> I think I think
0: Shanahan needs to go. Uh, they, we can't have this.
1: No, for sure. That was uh, that was an issue early on. They just couldn't kind of catch their breath, get their feet under them. I mean, I think you're also right about you know D Ford. I mean, having that uh, that speed pass rusher in this game would would have helped a lot. And uh, he was uh, in for a couple of plays early, and then that hamstring uh, reared its ugly head again and uh, he was out for most of this game, and that's going to be something to monitor both with him and Richard Sherman, who had a hamstring uh, injury late, and uh, we saw Richard Sherman leave the Ravens game and then come back and kind of gut his way through it. This time, he said he would have just been an an impediment to the defense at that point and uh, wouldn't have been able to help. Hamstrings, as D. Ford illustrated today, are are long-term, multi-week things, so uh, you got to wonder if, uh, if Ford is going to be back for the, the rest of the regular season. And you also have to wonder how, uh, how bad Sherman's is. It could be a Emmanuel Mosley, a, Moseley, a Witherspoon cornerback duo there. So uh, I think you're right. All of those factors came in. And we, we can't overlook the fact that this is the 49ers' second leg of a, a two-week road trip. They spent the week in Florida they, they were playing a, a brutal game against uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens a week ago. And the Saints were coming off a uh, basically a, a mini-bye week. They had played on a Thursday the week before. Obviously, the 49ers caught their attention, and they came out, and they were very fast and very good. And I, I can't uh, say that I've watched every Saints game, but the Saints game I've, I've seen, I've said to myself, huh, it doesn't really look like the Saints' offensive old. It doesn't look as fast, doesn't look as potent. They were ready for this game. Uh, they were peaking, and uh, it, it showed in, in the final uh, box score. Um, I'm just looking up the uh, uh, final total. I think the going into the game, the 49ers, the, the most yards that they had given up was 357 against the Cardinals in that game in Arizona. The most points was 27 against uh, the Seahawks in a five-quarter game. Well, the, the Saints had 27 by midway through the second quarter, and they yes, finished exactly. with 465. So everything, your your eyeballs and the stat sheet both said the same thing. This was by far the worst game that the defense has played all season. They
0: did stabilize it for the third quarter, and that ended up being the winning difference. I mean, they needed everything, right? So I thought the defense played three really bad quarters. But in the, in the third quarter, the 49ers only gave up three and a half per play. 3.5 yards per play, and they only gave up six points, and those six points were tough break points. There was a field goal off of the Jimmy Garoppolo um, interception there that wasn't Jimmy Garoppolo's fault. It was the one off of Emmanuel Sanders' hand. So the defense right. came out of the locker room, stiffened up, and what it did, that allowed the 49ers to kind of assume a little bit of control on the game, right? They, they, they didn't have full control. They ultimately blew it there at the end, but The fact they got some of that control was crucial in the third quarter. And a big play was the DJ Jones strip because they had to balance out the turnovers. You know, you had uh, you had the, the big Jimmy Garoppolo to Emmanuel Sanders hands off his hands pick. And that gave the Saints three points. Well, the 49ers, they got seven points off of the DJ Jones strip when he punched the ball out. So it, it was one of those games where you couldn't lose the turnover batter battle because the first team that would blink was going to lose. And the fact that the 49ers got the Saints to blink as far as takeaways or giveaways went after they blinked, I thought was important. That all happened in that all important third quarter. So hey, it wasn't all terrible for the defense. I thought that they... You know, sucked it up, got it through, made just enough plays. But hey, this was 95% offense for the 49ers today. This is about Jimmy Garoppolo. It's about George Kittle. It's about Ben Garland. Let's talk about him, right, before we sign off. Weston Richburg might be out for quite some time. It didn't look good. He had to get carted off. The last time we saw the 49ers have to use their backup center, it was bad news in two possessions against the Seahawks. Garland today, it was a little shaky at the start. Shanahan schemed around it, but... Ultimately, the guy has to pass block. He has to dig in and face a pass rush. You can't avoid it forever. And when Garland had to face it in crunch time, he stood up. And it, it, that's not the extent of his duty. And the noise, he also had to set the protections. And I thought he did a great job.
1: Yeah, I, th- I thought the noise was a big factor. I mean, the, the, the center kind of starts all that set the protection, and you've got to be, be uh, uh, hearing the calls from the quarterback as well. And and that's something that everybody did really well. I think there was a, a false start early, but uh, that that's something that uh, a number of offensive players said after the game is that they were really impressed by how Jimmy Garoppolo basically commanded everything today. I mean, this was – he hasn't played a game in Seattle yet. This was the by far the loudest – most uh, hectic environment that he's had to deal with I, I think he opened the 2016 season for the Patriots in Arizona at a time where the Cardinals were good so that must have been a loud environment but this must have surpassed it and ironically Jimmy Garoppolo sort of contributed to that he, he came out of the tunnel for pre-game announcements or pre-game warm-ups and um uh, he, he led the team out, and he ran all the way from one end of the field to the other and was pumping up the 49ers contingent there. So he was fired up, but he wasn't out of control, and uh, I don't think that there were any hiccups from him from a noise standpoint. And you're right, Ben Garland handled it pretty well in the second half as, as well, and uh, that was the difference. They were able to have that that game-winning drive, that crucial fourth-and-two play, with a backup center in, and uh, you're right. That was uh, that was something that they didn't weren't getting in that uh, in that Seahawks loss earlier this year. Garland this time stepped up.
0: And then final point: Have you ever seen Matt a more impactful three catch, eighteen yard performance than what Kendrick Bourne gave the yes. 49ers today?
1: he was fantastic, and 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 he has become. Uh, we have to go back to. Uh, training camp. And I'll I'll, I'll give you and Dennis Brown credit for this. You guys were both saying that you thought that Kendrick Bourne would make the team. And I said, ah, I don't know. Uh, I I thought Jordan Matthews might make it. But the point is that, you know, he was sort of borderline to make this squad uh, back in in late August. And now he's clearly one of the top three receivers on this team and becoming almost as clutch as George Kittle is. That's who uh, Jimmy Garoppolo looks to when they're Close to the end zone, and the field is crowded together, and you've got 22 guys that uh, are, are playing within uh, you know 12 yards. And um, he caught two six-yarders today. Also had a critical uh, third-down catch, which I think came in the uh, in, in the fourth quarter. Um, he has been money, and um, it's uh, it's really amazing to see a young guy who is you know last few years has been borderline to make the team. Uh, You're kind of thinking that, okay, they're just going to draft somebody and they'll boot Kendrick Bourne off the roster. Well, Kendrick Bourne is the top three receiver on this team right now, and and he's uh, earning every snap that he gets.
0: Well, I mean, it all goes back, I think, to when they first picked him up. And he's so symbolic of a lot of what the 49ers have going on here. Unheralded, undrafted guys coming through for this football team. And when Kendrick Bourne first made the team for the 49ers, I mean, this has been a long time coming. He, he told me the story I've, I've written about it before but after week one in 2017 he showed up late to a meeting he slept in too far and he said that kyle shanahan brought him into his office and, and he said that kyle shanahan struck the fear of god at him he thought that kyle shanahan was going to cut him and kyle shanahan looked at kendrick Bourne really sternly and he said i need to know that i can rely on you i believe in your talent but I'm not, I'm just not sure I can rely on you. You showed up late, you know, you're supposed to be here at 6 30 AM and you know, I don't know how late he was, but Kyle was mad and he made Kendrick Bourne inactive for like five or six straight weeks that rookie year. He he was in the doghouse for a while. And you, you look back on that, that, you know, Kendrick Bourne didn't really have everything fully together, but Kyle Shanahan believed in him it, it recurred again right during the the off season this year but during training camp he was dropping some passes in the preseason we weren't sure if he's going to beat out Jordan Matthews but you know for some reason Kyle Shanahan had that gut feeling about Kendrick Bourne and he wanted to see this all the way through and I'm not saying that we're anywhere near a finished product here but let's go back to when Kyle Shanahan told Kendrick Bourne in his office I need to believe in you well Today, I think the 49ers can believe in Kendrick Bourne. They could rely on him after that performance today, right? And, and I think there's something to be said about that, Matt, as far as this 49ers team, because they, they're relying and believing in a lot of guys that came in very, very unproven as either low-round low, low round draft picks or undrafted guys.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. And it's going to pay dividends if, if uh, they, they do make it deep into the uh, postseason Kendrick Bourne is a young guy, and uh, he's he can be immature at times. Um, he's inexperienced, but, but he's also fearless. Um, and I think that's what really kind of caught Kyle Shanahan's eye. This is a guy who's going to go uh, to the middle of the field. He's got great short area quickness. We've talked about that before. Uh, but, um, you know, he, he's undaunted. And uh, if he can just mold that, and make them more consistent, then you have something. And And we're seeing that happen this year. We're seeing that evolution occur. And you're absolutely right. All of these injuries, all of the uh, the shortcomings by some other uh, receivers have created opportunities for younger guys, and that's been the theme all year long. Those, those guys have taken those opportunities and run with them. And now that we're hitting crunch time, it's paying off. And uh, it's, it's going to have to pay off even more if this team, as it expects to do, is going to make a long run through the postseason.
0: Well, it was one heck of a day today. I think that we covered all the injuries, right? We're going to find out more on Monday, but Weston Richburg not looking good. Richard Sherman hamstring, D Ford aggravated hamstring. Was there anything else that you saw in the locker room that we need to live our listeners with?
1: K1 Williams suffered a concussion at the end of the game uh, on a great tackle in open space. Kyle Juszczyk was evaluated for a concussion, but uh, we all saw that he came back in. That was a huge uh, play. That was a huge play. Yeah, yeah, we didn't even talk about that play. That was a gigantic play, just a a gritty play by Garoppolo. I mean, uh, it's not going to show up in the stat sheet, but um, he was going down, and he made a play when there was absolutely no play to be had and extended that drive, which turned into a uh, a touchdown.
0: He also ran for a first down, diving toward the pylon. I mean, it was a complete game for Garoppolo. He answered... All questions, I think, in this game. So that's going to be fun to watch him going forward. And then, you know, he, he wasn't the only 49er who threw a touchdown pass. That was a really nice pass. Emmanuel Sanders looked like Joe Montana fading away from the rush as he threw that to Raheem Mostert uh, on the trick play. You just think that the, the 49ers had to pull out a lot of stops to, to win this game by two. But it, it was a war. They, you know, they, they get revenge for Ahmaud Brooks. I mean, this this game is is kind of a reminder of what went wrong in a Superdome Six years ago, this time it went right for the 49ers. Anyway, uh, we're going to catch up later this week with our third co-host, Dennis Brown, who got to call this game, Matt. That's that's pretty awesome. He, he, yeah, he lucky got, Dennis yeah,
1: calls, calls the play uh, the uh, the game of the year, uh, not just for the 49ers, but maybe in the NFL. So uh, He got four games worth in one.
0: Four games got, worth in
1: one. <laughs> it was like a playoff so, game,
0: too. So uh, good job, yeah. Dennis. Awesome. So make sure you tune into the Here's the Catch podcast later this week. And we'll try to play some of the highlights from Dennis's call, ask him what the experience was like. He'll have a whole new insight into that. This is a game that we could definitely dedicate two podcast episodes to. And then we'll start talking about the Falcons, actually a less important game next week, given the standings and all this and all that. But uh, this one was really important, and, and we'll break more of that down later. So anyway, I know, Matt, you're hungry. Uh, thanks for, for hanging in there. Thanks for your good work out from New Orleans. Uh, for Matt Barrows, this is David Lombardi. This has been the Here's the Catch podcast. We'll talk to you guys later this week.